0: This is a special edition of NBA Big Board. Make sure you check out Friday's episode where I talk with Tony Jones about Mock Draft 1.0. And make sure you check out NBA Big Board for my latest mock draft and more information about Kentucky's Shade and Sharp. Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic who knows just about everything you could possibly know about the Kentucky Wildcats. And that means we're going to do some Shade and Sharp talking. Ty Washington, lots of other great draft stuff. Let's roll. All right. And we're back with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Kyle, thanks for coming on NBA Big Board today. Yeah, man. Good to talk
1: to you. We've, uh, we've, we've been connecting
0: for a long time now. Long time. You've been covering Kentucky for a really long time, which means every year Kentucky is going to be in the conversation for the NBA draft. It, there were a few years that you and I were talking where they had like five first round draft prospects. Uh, looks like Duke might catch them this year, um, you know, finally on that. it's It's been a little rockier for the for the Wildcats the last couple of years as far as having a wealth of, of draft prospects. Uh, but it looks like for sure they've got Uh, a a serious potential lottery pick this year in Tai Tai, Washington. Uh, But that's not the big buzz, and that's not the big reason we're talking today. Uh, ESPN reports on Thursday uh, that Shaden Sharp uh, could be eligible for the 2022 NBA draft. I think the thinking before that was that he would likely be uneligible because he didn't meet the two-prong requirement to be eligible for the draft. You have to be 19 years old. He actually meets that one. Uh, But you have to be one year removed from your graduation uh from high school which we didn't think he was but at least according to ESPN he is and so let's just start right there Kyle at the front what are you hearing about his eligibility for the 2022 NBA draft
1: Yeah I mean that's that's going to be the thing uh, you know I think initially it was sort of put out as he is eligible for the draft which is a little bit of a misnomer because he really can't be eligible for the draft until he's actually submitted um uh, applied to be eligible and the NBA has reviewed all of that and, you know, rubber stamped it, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that the graduation piece of it is kind of the murky one, right? His, his high school coach told me yesterday he graduated, he finished up this summer um, and no one has really specified beyond that uh i think october you know, 19th. what finished up means right yeah what finished up means what the exact date was i mean october 19th i think is the date that he had to have finished by correct for the start of the nba season for right. the whole season to have elapsed um since he graduated high school you know there are questions like okay if he really if he was done in the summer why didn't he just come to kentucky um in the first place, you know, play, be here for the whole season. Even if you're going to sit out, why not just come, you know, it, it, there. Are, so it's a little bit murky. Uh, I do think, you know, they're probably going to be able to finagle it. <laughs> I, I would imagine if he really wants to be in the draft, um, he will be in the draft. The, the big thing to me is that this, this is not really a surprise to anyone. Uh, it was not a surprise to Kentucky. I don't think it's a surprise to NBA people. Uh, that, it, that it's a possibility. I, mean, I think it's always been sort of like he might be, maybe, I don't know. It's kind of close. It's right. You know, it's probably right there on that cut line. Um, it's going to depend on how, how the his case is sort of presented and viewed. Um, and whether he actually decides to do it. Um, but it's always been there. I mean, you know, it, it's gone back and forth about the, the definitive nature of yes, he is or he isn't, but the fact that he might be, and that he would, Potentially consider going in the 2022 draft was not news to anybody at Kentucky. It didn't catch them off off guard. I think that's what's really interesting about this is like the question I have about what happened yesterday, Thursday, as this was um, put out there, is like why, why was why did it come out yesterday? Why why is it why is now why the timing is curious to me? Like who who you have to ask yourself. Who stands to benefit in some way from this information being out there? Because it's really not new information, but it does accelerate some things or apply some extra pressures in different areas. You know, on John Calipari does, are you in use him or lose him mode now, right? Like with his fan base, that's exactly what has happened now. Like you either play shade and Sharp this season or you're just wasting him because then he's going to leave and he's not going to play. And so now it has turned up the pressure on Cal to play him because that, you know, people assume he will be gone if you don't, Um, you know, does it make NBA teams spend more time looking at him and give more feedback and give a better sense for where he stands in the draft? Is this about trying to someone in, in Shaden's camp, hoping to have a better idea of where he stands and whether he needs to play or sit? et cetera. So I think there are a lot more questions that are raised about sort of like what is the play here versus like this being any real new information.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. When I, when the news first came across, I'm like, okay, someone had got to the NBA and the NBA had, had given, given word back that, that he is eligible. But from what you're hearing, that's not been the case. The NBA has not looked at this case or given signals to the family or to Kentucky that he's
1: eligible um is, is that is that accurate not i don't have any information to that to to say that he's he is you know definitively uh eligible I, I think he's gonna have to go through the process you know submit and uh and would be have to be ruled i think he's eligible to apply he's obviously eligible to apply
0: uh, so, are, so are a lot of people right um so that, that yeah that's really interesting because i had a general manager was skeptical about the nba ruling at this a at this time about his eligibility until like you said there's an official thing, but maybe there was a back channel response or whatever. Let's let's just let's just assume for a second that that he is eligible. The second big factor that drops is that you've been talking to his family, you've been talking to people at Kentucky who say that the plan, at least at this point, still is to play for the Wildcats next season. Uh, to yeah. not enter the draft, right? I mean, that's that's the inf- info that you're getting. And I, and I understand that this is always a moving target. You and I have covered enough drafts to hear guys say all the time, no, 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 I'm not really that interested in the draft. And then they're in the draft. Uh, but right now, that is the message that you're hearing from his family, from his camp, is that the, the, they're not looking at the 2022 NBA draft right now.
1: Yeah, and they almost all have used sort of the same language. Nothing has changed. You know, his mom said nothing has changed since the last time I talked to you. I said, so you're saying he, the plan is for him to be at Kentucky next season. And she wrote back, we were texting, yep, that is the plan. Um, and then I asked Cal about it today, and he is. I'll read you his direct quote. I said, you know, I asked him, does this, this thing that came out yesterday, does it change anything? Does it put you in that sort of use him or lose him mode? And he said, no, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't. He plans on being here next year. He's watching whether I play him or not this year. If he's ready to be able to be in games, I'll put him in. But he's a great kid. He's doing well. He's going to make practices even better. He's been here two weeks. But at the end of the day, you know I'm going to be for kids. That's how I do this. So, I mean, a few things in there. One, he and everyone I talked to sort of off the record, behind the scenes, all said that same kind of thing, like that nothing has changed and the plan is still for him to be at Kentucky next year. And Cal reiterated that on the record, but also the thing at the end is also true. Like if Sharp wants to leave, you know, Cal's not Cal will be the last coach who says you owe me something or, you know, you came here and used our resources for this semester and we didn't get anything out of you and you owe me. That's not going to happen. Cal would support him uh going Cal would find a way to turn a nun and done into uh, a positive recruiting pitch <laughs> that he can get you know he can get you drafted number one even if you don't play a second for him or whatever um you know he's been through this before with Hamadou Diallo who came is. you know I don't think Hamadou was the same level of prospect as Shaden but he was a top 10 recruit and he's a guy who now has latched on and, and is playing well in the NBA he came and he, it was the same sort of speculation on and on and on and on and on that whole year, that whole second half of the year about whether they should play him, whether he would play. He sat and everybody just assumed he was going to use them up and leave and never play. Well, he didn't. He came back and he played his year, um, partially because he was really, he really wanted to be ready. He talked about that. You know, I, I know there are some dissimilarities in the level of prospect they are, but I would say in the talk around the player and from the player, about being committed to actual development, to being committed to feeling more ready maturity-wise and physically and all of that from a mental standpoint to last in the NBA versus just get drafted in the NBA. There is a difference. Like, Shaden Sharp can go side unseen and be a top-ten pick maybe or a lottery pick, maybe higher. Um, but, w- you know, what if he's completely unprepared <laughs> for being in the NBA? then that doesn't do him a whole lot of good in the long run. And I do think that there are people around him who really care about making sure that he's ready. I think he cares about making sure that he's ready. And so I think that's a factor.
0: And this is a really convoluted conversation at this point. Like, who gets you ready better? Does it, does playing college basketball get you ready? Does getting drafted and getting into the G League and a development team get you ready? Um, there's so many questions here that are just difficult questions to answer. And it's different for for different players. Are, are they mentally and ready for the lifestyle of the NBA? Do they have the maturity um, to do it? It's, it's, it's going to be a really tough question. You know, I'm always the, the cynic when it comes to this stuff because I've been doing the draft so long to say the number of top 10 picks, and at least the NBA scouts that I'm talking to are projecting him as a top 10 pick. Uh, in the 2022 NBA draft, in part because this draft is n- not considered by scouts to be quite as strong as the 2021 draft and the upcoming 2023 draft. Uh, so top 10 pick, it's it's pretty rare. It happens that guys decide to come back to school, but that's a lot of money. That's a lot of security, uh, and you're gonna he's gonna hear from NBA teams that we'd rather develop you than uh, letting Cal develop you um, for a year. Uh, and so, you know, th- and that's, that's a really interesting narrative about what's going on. Let's, so let's, are you hearing the same thing about his
1: draft stock then, you know, somewhere as a, as a top yeah, 10, I mean, maybe a lottery I, pick, he, he's a lottery pick. It seems like, you know, unless, and that, that also just brings up like, do, is there any value for him to play this year? Like, because you could only, you can almost, almost certainly only potentially tank yourself. Right. I mean, If you're him, unless you're just unbelievable. But it's hard to think of a guy, 18 years old, getting dropped onto a moving treadmill in the middle of a season on a really good team. That's already got chemistry, you know, after two or three weeks and suddenly just playing so well that he elevates from lottery pick to like number one pick. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you.
0: (laughs) It's like a 10% upside and a 90% downside. Um, you know, to where to where he's at right now. And you look at some of the other heralded freshmen like Caleb Houston, uh, for example, Patrick Baldwin, Jr., or whatever, who come in and struggle and see their st- stock drop. We saw this with Brandon Boston last year in Kentucky, who was widely regarded as a top 10 pick uh, and struggled uh, and ends up falling into the second round. It's uh, the, the risk is probably higher for him than the reward is of moving up a couple of spots in the draft. And as you pointed out, this is a Kentucky team that has a loaded backcourt uh, already uh, who's playing well, uh, so they, they don't necessarily need him to step in. Uh, all of those factors, to me, point to if he's worried about his draft stock, if that's his primary concern, uh, he, he'd be he he'd do the. And it's so interesting because NBA scouts recognize that there's some sort of almost mental flaw here that the, the guy that we don't see is more attractive than the guy that we see a hundred times, right? Like it, it shouldn't be the case, but it, it is what it is. And uh, it, that certainly seems to be the case. Kyle, let me ask you one more question about him. What are you hearing from Kentucky just right now about, you know, you talked about, uh, I read your article in The Athletic and for our listeners, you can check out Kyle and he has a really great breakdown of uh, a lot of this on The Athletic right now. He came into Kentucky not quite in great shape. Um, he's been practicing, but not actually sort of like full scrimmaging uh, with the team right now. What's going on there? Like that seems odd for an 18-year-old to be showing up in January, not in shape and and, and not ready to go. Do, do you do you have a is there a backstory there about why this is taking? This is taking the turn that it has, just from a basketball
1: standpoint. I think you assume if he's if he wasn't with his high school team and and he wasn't playing, you know, AAU after what July, um, you know, that's a few months of you know, and who knows what kind of shape he was in in the first place. I mean, he's so athletically gifted. Did anybody have him in like tip top shape? You would hope that people people around him would uh, be invested in keeping him in really good shape. But even his, his folks like acknowledged, like he wasn't in good shape. It was going to take him a few weeks to get into that kind of shape. I mean, because he, he wasn't with the team. He wasn't, you know, and, and the, you know, the personal trainer, you know, one on air and, and, you know, one on cones (laughs) is not the same kind of training you're going to get, you know, at Kentucky. And so, you know, I, I I don't think he was in good shape. I And I think there's just this element of, I, th- I think part of the reason this is hard to get a handle on is nobody really wants to say too much. Like initially it was like, he's definitely not going to play. And now it's like, everybody's kind of like, well, if he wants to, if he's ready, if he's needed, um, you know, and Cal's kind of waffled on what he's wanted to say. Um, and so you don't really know, like without really knowing just the unvarnished truth about what the whole conversation was, between both sides going in and if there was a concrete plan or not because that even that is murky now it's hard to know why they've approached it this way why not just throw him in practice let him sink or swim maybe because it would be disruptive if the guys like completely clueless you know and and he's just running the wrong way and you're trying to run stuff you know cal doesn't run 3 hour practices maybe if he was one of those coaches who run, you know, practices you into the ground and there was time for that. He runs a pretty snappy, efficient practice. And so, you know, if you if you don't want to throw a guy out there that doesn't know what he's doing, I can I can understand that. But yeah, I mean, to that, the the big bigger point is like how close would he be to play? Now it doesn't feel like very close because he is, to my knowledge, he has yet to participate in like a full-on, five on five real basketball practice with those guys yet and so that feels like a pretty far (laughs) distance from that to to the court
0: final question on Shaden sharp what's your prediction Uh, i've seen this on twitter but not for my listeners does he i'm gonna ask you three questions does he play for kentucky this
1: season (laughs) that's so hard to answer i feel like yes from like a from a kentucky perspective it it seems crazy to if you get in any moment down the stretch Or your season is on the line, right? That you, and you might lose short of any short, literally short of winning the national championship. If you might lose and your season, be over to have this guy who might be a top five pick sit on your bench and never come in. It just seems insane, but he has to agree to it. Right. Uh, And what we don't know is that I would say, I would say the thing to watch is to me, I would almost argue that if he plays at all, this season it's a pretty strong case that he'll play next year because the only reason you play this season is if you don't care about what it does to your stock now this is i want to get myself some experience so that i'm the guy next year so that every so that next year there's no question i hit the ground running i'm the leader of this team and i think he would be like i think the case to be made if you see him play this year is like this is to get him ready to be the guy next year and him 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 agreeing to it to me would say i'm not worried about the draft and either it's you know i'm getting my feet wet now or he's like a total unbelievable surprise and he's amazing right the other possibility is he's amazing they they go to the final four contend for or win a national championship and then not one person at kentucky is mad that he leaves (laughs) um Mm -hmm. But the, the 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 real unknown is just how willing is he to do it. Based on this, I, that I keep going back to like, why did this story come out? When it came out, who 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 is motivated for it to be a thing now? Because I can't imagine Calipari happy about it. I wouldn't even think Shaden personally is very happy about it because it's just a massive distraction, like a big distraction bomb dropped into the middle of what has been a really good kind of resurgent season for Kentucky. Um, why is it out there? I don't know. All right. That's a that, that was a good nuanced answer uh,
0: in the, in the age of in the age of hot takes. Do you think he's in the 2022
1: NBA draft? Ugh. It's it's ugh. these are such hard questions to answer. Like like intuitively, I'm kind of like you, like skeptically I just go like of course you're going to go.
0: Right. The like, agents are going to get to him and his family. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, my brain just says, like, I can't think of I can't think of like two people on planet Earth, you know, that would do that would not go. You know, and so I guess I'm going to say, yes, he goes to the draft. But I have this sort of like nagging thing in the back of my mind that like I that I, I, I trust at least the sentiment behind there are people, including Shaden, who care deeply about him being ready and not just getting drafted high. Like actually being ready, you know. And I've seen—I I thought Hamadou would would ghost him, you know. I thought he would do that, and he didn't. And so there is some level of precedent for it.
0: All right. So that sounds like—and and I really like this answer. One, it sounds like you're saying, "Look, I'm trusting what the family's saying right now," but we also know that right now is not is not April and May. and 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 things can change a lot and uh, guarantee the agents are um, going to be chiming in more than ever to his family right now and i'm I'm sure their advice is going to be because i've talked to several agents it's going to be
1: don't play a game and
0: come out and let us handle that
1: one thing i would i did want to throw out there and it's in the, the thing that i wrote today um i have heard he is just killing name image and likeness like he he is like the leader i think for kentucky hasn't played a second for them (laughs) nobody's even seen him in a kentucky jersey and he's already got a ton of name image and likeness deals he can't do the issue yeah he can he can get you know he can do those deals in canada where he's a pretty big deal and i think if he plays it's even more if he comes back next year, it's way more. I mean, if he if he defies the sort of the conventional wisdom and, and says, like, I love you, Kentucky, I want to come back there. Like the, his level of popularity with Kentucky fans, you could you could write him a blank check. Still, a lottery picks getting what, 10 to 12 million. You're not going to match that name image, and likeness. But does a couple million, you know, there's a million and a half in that in NIL money sort of give you the 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 luxury of patience that's a that's a that's a thing we never could ask before now now it, there's there's at least that possibility All right, he's cal
0: tucker of the athletic uh we're going to talk built bar and then when we come back we're going to talk about tai tai washington it's the new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan Built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar maybe even better than a candy bar Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which are chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Like, where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes, home, in the party, at the office, in the, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary, calorie-filled treats. Replace them with built Bars so that when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, uh, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, I'm back with Kyle Tucker. Let's talk about the one guy who I think we can be more confident because he's been playing all season, uh, is definitely in the conversation for a lottery pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Ty Ty Washington uh, gets off to a really rocky start uh, in the opening game uh, for Kentucky. And he's been interesting all year as I've been tracking him he's had some really great games typically against the weaker competition struggles a little bit more against the sort of top competition but lately seems to have have found his rhythm um in a way for this team he's playing off the ball when i think he projects in the NBA uh, as a point guard and and that's because severe wheelers there uh and and they they really have no choice but to play him at point guard what have you thought about Ty tie washington season and you know you've you've covered a lot of Kentucky draft prospects over
1: the years and where does he sort of stack up in some ways he kind of reminds me and and also just sort of the um quiet evolution of him reminds me a little bit of Shea Gilgis Alexander um who came in and A Green was there and he started the season he wasn't wasn't the point guard and and eventually slid over to that spot um You know, that's not going to happen this year on a full time basis, I don't think, because as you mentioned Wheeler. But I think one thing that really, you know, bad for Wheeler, good for Washington, good for the overall long term outlook for Kentucky was Wheeler got decked by a screen at at LSU and was out that whole game. And then the next two games and it forced Ty Ty to be the point guard and he thrived in, in that role. He broke his first game as the starting point guard. He broke John Wall's assist record, uh, you know, in an SEC 17 assists, yeah. 17 assists, 17 points and 17 assists. Uh, And and so that was good. And then he comes out, he has 28 points uh, a couple games ago, career high. Um, He has proved that he can score from all over the floor. He's a three-level, you know, scorer, a a good, I think, 40% three-point shooter um you know he's got a a nice floater he's got a nice pull-up game um he's not crazy athletic or quick but he's he's kind of crafty and another way that he kind of reminds me of Shea Gildas Alexander in that way that that Shea just sort of just defied logic with how smooth and 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 crafty he was um Cal has described him all year as quiet he called him the silent assassin at one point because he would have all of these games where it's like you're focused on Oscar Shibwe getting 25 rebounds or severe Wheeler getting a dozen assists or Kellen Grady getting hot from three. And then you look over at the the box score and tie and ties, Ty you know, six of nine from the field with 15 points and five assists and six rebounds and a couple steals. And, you know, he's just kind of quietly had this really good efficient game. Um, I do think that the Wheeler injury empowered him though. And he looks a little more assertive now to me. He didn't have a great night the other night. Nobody did for Kentucky. It was kind of a weird night at Texas AM. Uh, but I feel like since that happened, he's he understands now. He talked the other day about how teammates, the, you know, he's on this weird Kentucky team too. He's the only freshman they're relying on. When, yeah, the, when it just very happen? unusual. <laughs> he's the only freshman. And they've got another top 10 recruit, Damian Collins, that doesn't get off the bench. Uh that just that never happened before. Um, and so he's got two super seniors in the backcourt with him. You know wheeler who is a junior who's now going to be two two-time sec assist leader back there with him oscar who's a junior he's got all these old guys and i think there was an element for for a change that the can that the freshman star did not feel comfortable making it his team why would he there's all these these guys who played a ton of college basketball but the, the wheeler injury He said, had those veteran guys coming up to him saying like, it's okay, man, you get, you can lead, you can lead us, you know, you're good enough. Like this can be, you you know, your team. And he felt empowered by that. He felt felt empowered by Cal saying it. And so I think it's going to be interesting now that Wheeler is also available and back and, and back in his spot as a starting point guard what does Cal do with him down the stretch? Because I do think there's the possibility that Wheeler shoots you out of a game or turns you over out of a yeah. game in the tournament. The Texas A&M game, yeah. And, right. yeah, eight, nine turnovers. And I think their best bet is probably going to end up being putting the ball in, at least in, when it matters at the end, putting the ball in Tie Ty Washington's hands. And I think what his draft stock looks like at the end of the season will heavily depend on what does he look like in those moments? you know, against the good teams in the do-or-die moments. And he did hit a couple – he wasn't on for the duration of the game, but he did hit the two biggest buckets of the game at the end against Texas A&M the other night. You know, tough, good-looking pull-up jump shots that were feathery. He's got a, a beautiful touch. Um, can he do that? You know, can he not be rattled uh, in those moments? That, I think that he's if, if he does that, if he handles it, one, Kentucky can go to the Final Four. And two, I think certainly he's, a you know, in the consideration as a top 10 pick. In my book, I, I would, you know, I would view him very much in line with where how people viewed him, uh, viewed Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you know, coming out.
0: I think it's a really great take. Uh, and he, he, his, his stock is sort of right there on the top 10 bubble, you know, somewhere between, you know, the mid lottery or the late lottery to to maybe cracking the top 10. And I I think that is going to be the thing. I think the thing that scouts are still waiting to see is how he plays in those moments, especially against the elite teams and against elite athleticism. As you, as you pointed out that if there's sort of a weakness to his game, he's not the super explosive athlete um, that, that sometimes you would like to have at that position. And so how does he handle that athleticism defensively, offensively? Can he get by guys? Because I think the shooting is there. I think the poise is there. Uh, a, a lot from him, like you talked about as a quiet assassin. He's a really interesting prospect. And look, Shea slid to I think eleventh in the draft, um, and, and and clearly, if you go back
1: and do a redraft, that was that was a big mistake. But he was a guy, you know. They're similar too in that, like, they were kind of in that same range coming out of high school. You know, they were highly regarded. But you're you're talking about, you know, well, actually, I guess by the end, Tai Tai had moved up quite a bit. But you know, towards the end of their final seasons of high school, they were like in that 30 range, you know, among high school prospects. And it didn't take long. Almost immediately as they got to Kentucky, you start hearing buzz. Like I remember the going into that season, I was out at USA. I think it was USA camp, you know, asking people who's going to be the surprise of this team. And it was like to a man, it was Shea Gilgis Gilgis Alexander. He was the seventh highest rated recruit they signed that year because they had this crazy class of seven or eight five-stars. Um, but everyone knew as soon as they got a look at him just because he had this sort of like natural maturity. And that's another thing that people talk about Tai Tai and have from day one that he's on a team full of veterans. He fits in. He, he has a, a poise and a maturity and an unflappability. He talks about he doesn't ever let himself get sped up. And I think you see that um, they're different. Shea Shay and him are different in some ways. But but I think in some of the really good ways that you would want to attach like draft value to they're very similar
0: all right we're going to come back one more time and we're going to talk about two fringe uh nba prospects that are also on this kentucky team with kyle tucker the athletic we'll be right back All right, we're back with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. We've talked Ty Ty Washington. We've talked Shaden Sharp. Damian Collins uh, came in, ranked on my big board uh, in in the mid-first round. Uh, One of the best athletes, just run and jump athletes in this draft, has barely gotten off the bench uh, at Kentucky, especially as we've gotten into SEC play um, right now. What's the buzz around him? Uh, We knew he came from a a smaller high school, smaller program. I think everybody understood that the learning curve was going to be steeper uh, with him. And I think the the question on everybody's mind now, is he still an NBA prospect this year in the 2022 NBA draft? Is the thinking that he's coming back for another year and he's going to be empowered maybe with Shaden Sharp? That could be uh, quite the athletic guard front court um, option together. Uh, What do you think about him?
1: I think, from what I gather, and again, this is like one of those deals where you never know how many people end up in in their ear, right? And and change the conversation. But you know, talking to his family and talking to him uh, and those folks around him, I I felt like even going into the year, there was a there was a a sense of I think realism. You know, I think they understood. Um, what the situation was. I mean, he got a town of 5,000 people. When you say small, it's it's tiny. I mean, he was, he was playing against nobody in high school. Um, you know, he, he rides for six, six foot 10 kid uh, who wears, I think his mom said 32, 42 are his jeans, <laughs> which is a ridiculous dimension. No, they sold those. <laughs> yeah. His, yeah. His feet touch the ground. He rides his horses. He owns a couple horses out there in small town, Texas, you know, football country. They understood, I think, that there was a development piece that was going to have to happen physically. I mean, if you looked at him, his arms are ridiculous. He has crazy, you know, go-go gadget arms. He's got an insane leaping ability. He's got great sort of natural timing and blocking shots. Uh, But he's also – he was like 180 pounds. You know, he's in no way physically ready, one, for the NBA and certainly uh, even for SEC basketball – and I think they understood that. I mean, he's been on a 5,000-calorie-a-day diet. You know, they have him – the nutritionist has him, if he wakes up in the night, drink him shake in the middle of the night. He drinks one before he goes to bed every night. He drinks one when he wakes up every morning. He has two or three during the day. They feed him while he's in the workout room lifting. Uh, they're just constantly trying to, to help him gain weight. I think he's up over 200 pounds now. But I think there's just a, a real understanding on their end that, that this was a long – Process for him, and there was no rush. And so, I don't feel like, you know, for once there's a five star, even, you know, borderline top 10 recruit who I don't think had any real delusions, not major delusions anyway, that, you know, this was going to be this breezy, you know, stopover to the NBA. And so, I think there's a really good chance he's back. Um, I don't, I don't know how you draft him right now even though I think he's still a, a wildly intriguing prospect. He's had a few highlights in at Kentucky even, you know, in the little bit we've seen him where you go, holy cow. I mean, he can he can wow you, but he doesn't know what he's doing. He gets, you know, bulldozed under the basket. Um, he's just in no way ready for the NBA, and, and I think he realizes that. And I would assume that NBA people watching it would like to see him. I mean, if you're an NBA evaluator, wouldn't you like to see him next year actually get, lay eyes on him for a season and see what he can do.
0: You would think Kyle, uh, but Greg Brown is probably a somewhat equivalent example from last year at Texas. Same freakish athlete actually got a lot of minutes at Texas, but, but struggled in those minutes. I think he went like the first two months of the season without an assist. Uh, you know, Greg Brown did and he still got drafted uh, and you get drafted on upside in talent. My guess is if he's in this draft, someone takes him in the second round, uh, and, you know, does the same thing Kentucky's doing development. But I think in this case, developmentally, given all the background that you've talked about, this is this is to me a much clearer case of why it would make a lot of sense to come back and stay another year at Kentucky. Uh, and, and especially if Shaden Sharp's coming back and, and be a much bigger piece of this team uh, and just grow in your feel for the game, which I think is part of, you know, where, where you're getting at with him.
1: And need. I mean, the other thing is that they haven't recruited over him, right? Like there's they they I mean, not that they haven't tried necessarily not tried to recruit over him, but they haven't they've they've just missed on all their big guys. They've had they got a great recruiting class coming in. If Sharp is in it, then they've got three of the top 10 players in the class coming in. Casein Wallace, a really intriguing guard. Um, Chris Livingston, maybe the most physically imposing you know guy in that class, but they don't have a big guy. And so there's going to be a need there uh, as well. I think that has to factor in because you, if you're if you're Damian Collins, you see like there's a path for me to be the guy next year. If especially if Oscar Shibue is is not here, I I assume he might be the other fringe prospect you. you
0: Let's let's pivot to Shibue as our our final prospect to talk about. I don't think he came into the season uh, being thought about as a as an NBA draft prospect. He has been an absolute monster. On the on the boards, uh, the best, you argue, the best rebounder in the country um, this year, and just brings a warrior mentality uh, when he's on the court every season. What's what's the thinking there about him? He he's he's tougher as an NBA prospect because NBA teams just don't value that as much as they value a lot of other things. Uh, he's a little bit older, um, you know. There's some questions that are going to you know come out uh, ultimately about them, but he he's also not been terrible offensively. He's not just Uh, a a rebounder. Curious what the thinking is
1: around Shibwe at Kentucky. Yeah, I know there's probably some, you know, extreme hopefulness that he will come back, like in the dream world, that he would come back to you. But I I just wonder, like, what could he really do to help himself? Um, At his age, probably nothing. Right. And and the other thing that I think about, I, I think we can outsmart ourselves. You know, I think the NBA can outsmart itself itself. Sometimes um, I understand all the other things they value. I understand that he's a six, nine, maybe a uh, big man. Uh, I, you know, that he, he's not going to be stepping out and shooting threes for you and and that the game has, has changed. But I also wonder, like, if you could draft Dennis Rodman today, would you still draft Dennis Rodman? And, and, and there's one thing that he's good at, and he's not just good at it. He's not just even great at it. Like Oscar right now, in every way you could like measure it is the best rebounder in college basketball in like 20 or 30 years, you know, rebound percentage, offensive rebound percentage, offensive rebounds. If you measure how his rebounding affects winning, how many more possessions he gives Kentucky, how many he takes away when he rebounds the first miss by an opponent. I mean, there, there are so much hidden value in, in what he does purely as a rebounder, even if you just, if you're, if you're a team drafting in second round and you get to Oscar Shibwe and you go like this guy will, this guy will absolutely, without a doubt, rebound. He may not do anything else, but he will rebound as well as anybody on the floor. Is there value in that? I surely there is, right? Is there not value in using a second round pick on the best college basketball rebounder in the last 25 years? Oh, he'll get a look. And if yeah. he
0: doesn't, and if he doesn't get drafted, he'll get picked up by a team on a two-way, yeah. and uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna be in the league some way or the other. And it is always mind-boggling. A lot of my my followers and my readers are just constantly like, you know, he's 22. He's not like he's 30. You know, like what is the right. difference? But there's a big difference for NBA scouts yeah. when it's when it comes to that. It, it's just a reality of how they look at that and this sort of multi-positional. Um, defensive players that can get out on the perimeter as well as guard in the paint. It's it's just the way the league is going, so it's harder for guys that have one skill. But this is the one thing I'll say in his favor. I've been doing the draft a long time, and where I often make mistakes in the draft, and I've made plenty, is when I like the guys that are toolsy but don't do any one thing great. And the guys that tend to stick have one skill at least— that they're elite at and shibway is an elite rebounder i think he will be an elite rebounder at the nba level it's actually one of the few box score statistics that tends to translate to the nba uh, rebounding if you're a great rebounder in college you tend to be a great rebounder in the nba and he's more as you pointed out more than a great rebounder he's an elite rebounder and so there's there's something something to be said for his draft stock
1: yeah and 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 so, then circling back to like the idea of him whether whether that's good enough for him, like the prospect of being a second round pick or or whatever, latching on in some less than you know desirable way in the NBA, I, his his history tells me that it's important to him to start making money, and he's handcuffed right now. Maybe it changes, but it really. I think frustrating and ridiculous thing that's happened for Oscar here is he is beloved. He's going to, I mean, he's got a chance to be one of the most beloved Cal players they've had. If you hear him talk, everything that comes out of his mouth is, is charming. Um, He's got this delightful personality and smile and this great story. And he plays like his life depends on, he plays so hard. Fans love him and he can't make name image and likeness money because he's on an international student visa. And so, you know, you've got multiple players on this team earning six figures and the best player and the most likable player and the most marketable player on the team. The only thing he's allowed to do right now is cameos for $50 a pop. And so do I think Oscar will take any means necessary to go to the NBA after the season or try or go somewhere, play professionally and get paid? Yes, Um because I just think it matters too much. He told me he went back, he didn't see his mom, hadn't seen his mom in like six years after he came over from the Congo, he told Calipari before the season, I need to go, uh, touch my mom. I need to go see her and be with her. And he said, I will come back and I will play harder than anyone has ever played for you. And so they let him go over there. He actually got stuck. He had a a visa issue and got stuck and it was a little harrowing for a while but what he saw over there was his mom and 10 people living in a a space about the size of his dorm room at Kentucky. And it matters a lot to Oscar. If you, if you watch him play, like his life depends on it, I think he thinks a lot of people's lives depend on it. And, uh, and so it's hard not to root for Oscar. And it's also hard for me to imagine oscar being anywhere but chasing a professional career after this season.
0: awesome stuff from kyle tucker make sure you check him out there's his twitter handle uh, right there kyle tucker under slash ath uh, check him out at the athletic where you're going to get this deep insight on these prospects and everything kentucky all year kyle it's always a pleasure you're the best at what you do and i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast
1: I appreciate it man thanks for having me
0: all right you've been listening to chad ford's nba big board on the locked on podcast network Aloha.